last time we discussed, we began discussing the Sisa Shoim, beholding in Perik Dalad, discussing Midas Adin, and we're about to get on to the point of where Midas Adin becomes relevant to Tshuva. Until this point in time, what the Ramchal has said categorically is that, and this is something again which we struggle with, and the reason why we struggle with it is twofold. It needs emuna to be able to come to terms with it, and also needs to have a little bit of the capacity to be self-confrontational, to um, be brave enough to face the truth. And that is Hakodesh and Midas Hadin. Hakodesh is a is Melcha Mishpat, which means he judges. Judges means that you can be right and you can be wrong, and something which we have a difficult time processing um, we discussed previously that the difficulty lies also in our association with the notion of judgment we always get to see this big aggressive God who's looking kind of he's out to get there which is complete a complete distortion what we're looking upon is a benevolent and complete who's trying to bring more out of us He's trying to push us beyond our narrow limitations say, expand yourself. It's the gentle voice of a caring coach who's saying, yeah, I know you can do more. I'm going to push you a little bit further. I know you can. Be- Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. The Ramban says that the Lashon of Nisoyon, sorry, the Ramban says that only a person that can succeed is ever tested. Meaning the only intention in the test that the Abishtah brings, when Midasadin comes to give a person a challenge in life, it's because he knows you can pass it. It's because he knows you can pass it. So really, the Midas Adin is an expression of faith in your godless. And when you respond to it in that way, so then you don't have to create a dichotomy between HaKosh Bochu as the Melech HaMishpat and HaKosh Bochu as the Avor HaChamon. It's the same one. The same caring father is the same demanding coach. He's only demanding for you. He's not demanding because of himself. It's a crucial point to remember. Being that that's true, our greatness is such that the limit to what we can achieve is almost is almost infinite and hence for every single thing we do the abish says you could do better you can do better everything a casual conversation between your wife and yourself a irrelevant act that you may think no one notices picking your nose in public in Chutzlaretz. <laughs> it's a din in Chutzlaretz. Again, okay, it's a din in Chutzlaretz. Picking your nose, I read in Israel, is a hete. Yeah, those are, no, there are those that hold it could be a hidur. In Chutzlaretz. picking your nose, it's offensive. It's an offensive thing to do. Um, even that, even that, the Kodesh Baruch wants you to to go in everywhere, everywhere. So now that we've said that, it comes out that there's a tremendous problem because it means that the consequences of medicine is if you succeed, and if you fail, you fail. So everything is judged. Every little error you do, the, the, the nature of the system is such that every little error you do will be punished. Every little mitzvah that you do will be rewarded. That's called medicha mishpat. There's no getting around that. There's no getting around it. Meaning, you can do it, and if you didn't do it, so then you're culpable for not doing it, because you could have done it, you could have done it. Live up to who you are, and if you don't live up to who you are, so then you, you bear the consequences of not living up to who you are. 
If so, if so, that means that every single thing you do, whether it be good or bad, will be adjudicated. Every tiny little good thing you do, every good thought, every good word, every good act, will be rewarded. And by nature of the ethos of judgment, every bad thing you do will be there'll be consequences. Every casual slight remark, every raise of the eyebrows when you know someone's being a dumb cop and you go <laughs> or even just a subtle rolling of the eyes and you look at your friend. Ah that's the is that Loshnar is not only what you say, it also can be body movements as well. You look knowingly at your friend when someone else speaks and you go The wide variety of different dismissive hand movements, body movements, raising of eyebrows, etc. That you can, you can give off a, a general message of he's an idiot without even opening up your mouth. All of that says the Chaim. So you think, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Aye, 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 aye. That also you have to held, you're held accountable for. So if so, comes along the Ramchal and asks a fundamental question. Im Cain we're holding in the midst of Perik Dalad in the paragraph if you can afford them begins with if you enter the GP version it's somewhere there in the text and if you ask a question you know, those of you who don't have texts just another thing to do sugar for Vim Toima. Toima. I mean we were discussing previously how important is there a text. There are texts on the shelves. But again, oh yeah yeah and if you'll ask a question and say, Imkain, Midasarachamim Lamahiomedas. Based on this presentation that the Ramchal gives, he just subtracted from the divine scheme of judgment the idea of Rachamim of mercy. Because in order for judgment to be effective, there can be no mercy. The minute you introduce mercy and you say, fine, if you do something good, I'll reward you. If you do something bad, I'll overlook it. You've perverted justice. Just as much as if you say, if you do something bad, I'll punish you. If you do something good, I won't reward you, is a perversion of justice. The other way around, it's also a perversion of justice. If you do something good, yeah, reward. And if you do something bad, it's okay. Why does she stand? Well, in other words, that's a very literal translation. Why is there why is there a notion? Where does it come in? What is the necessity? Kim shall call upon him since uh, on all faces. New word, the expression on all faces. Which means uh, whichever way you look at it, that there's a necessity for judgment to be extremely exacting upon absolutely everything. Where does Midas Harachamim come in? The Chayra, if it does come in, it will pervert justice, and justice is the ultimate priority of the Abishtah. Do you all hear the question? It's very important that you hear the question, and it's also very important that this is your starting point. As we said previously, and the, the, the theme of the last few shirim has been, let us understand that we live in a world of din. 
A person that doesn't understand that he lives in a world of din, there's no real motivation or realization of how great he has to be. There's no push for him to reach for the stars. Because he thinks, eh, I can be mediocre. Comes along the Ramchal and echoes conceptually the words of the Siporno, who says in the beginning of Parashas Re'eh, I have given you a blessing and a curse. The blessing is the observance of the mitzvahs and the curse is their neglect. Says the Siporno, why is it expressed in such radically extreme terms? A blessing is an abundance of goodness and a curse is a lack of everything. Why doesn't the Kodesh Baruch Hussein have placed before you abundance or no abundance? But why does they have to go from one extreme to another? On this, the Siporno says, the way of Judaism is not a way of mediocrity. It is a way of extremes. It's either excellence or the, the other alternative. The other alternative is disaster. In other words, mediocrity is not an alternative. The options are blessing and curse. There is no option of blessing, and if you do everything, if you're a little bit mediocre, and if you do nothing, curse. It's either it's a brocha, it's a klala. Meaning, you're either in or out. If you're in, then it's a brocha. If you're out, it's a klala. Midas hadin, meaning greatness, or the opposite of greatness is only nothingness. Bah, what about mediocrity? I won't be great, I won't be small, I'll be middle, no such thing. Not being great is being small. Mediocrity is klala. Mediocrity is nothingness. Each of us has to realize, and this is an overriding principle which is again echoed time and time again throughout the words of all the terrorist ages, and that is there is no such thing as a mediocre Jew. Every Jew is a great man. Just depends where your area of greatness lies. What prompts a person to realize the greatness yeah. within is the midasadin. He sees how far his obligations lie. He sees how much he has to do. When the Torah says, Don't exact revenge. Do you understand how difficult that is? Someone does something exceptionally nasty to you. You have a roommate that you sleep in a bed and there's a bed for him and he has a good friend coming to visit and he says look do you mind I want to I really want to sleep with my friend do you mind moving out and sleeping on a mattress in the living room and it's extremely inconvenient and the mattress is flea ridden and exceptionally thin and nevertheless you say to you say to the roommate listen I think it's important for you I know it's important for you I'm going to do it and you inconvenience yourself the entire night is an experience of tossing and turning and being bitten by bed bugs and you wake up in the morning bruised upset but you think listen if my friend enjoyed it that's what's important and Taki had a good time two weeks later a friend of yours is coming to visit and you say listen sorry do you mind if uh, if you move out for for a night while my friend comes sleep here and he says are you joking not a chance go jump in the lake So you are mamish. On the verge of feeling an emotion of anything which may be kin to negativity, and then you think to yourself, it says in the Torah, I can't hate him. I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to. It says, So boom, there you go. So, okay. 
go, the emotion of hate is completely on the on on call dissipates. Uh-huh. Yes, that's expected of you. Not only that, it gets more intense. So you overcome your negative feelings and you strive for love. And then what happens is, a week later, he has another friend coming. <laughs> and he asks you to move out. And you say, now my time has arrived. I'm going to give him his just desserts. I'm going to say, buddy, you take your friend and you go sleep on that flea-ridden mattress, big boy. And the Torah says, you can't do that. Now, if you ask me, demanding that of the average person is unrealistic. You're 100% right. Demanding it of the average person is unrealistic. You could demand it of a goddle. You're 100% right. And who are you? You that goddle! Because the Torah says it. That's what you need to do. Midasadin doesn't prescribe. It describes the levels to which you can reach. A person that is connected to Torah is connected to greatness, is connected to Brocha. A person that's not connected to the Midasadin of Torah is not connected to greatness. He lives a life of intrinsic mediocrity in spiritual endeavor. He may be great in other areas. And the truth is, he probably will be great in other areas. Because the Neshama demands that greatness. The Neshama seeks that greatness. And that's why there's an overriding, exaggerated percentage of Jews who are not religiously observant, who excel in different fields around the world. Because the Neshama says, give me greatness! And if Torah is not there to sustain, to quench that thirst, so anything gets in its place. And it grasps for something. It's the principle says it says I need to eat the royal food captured by the truth is it's a marshal it's a marshal and the marshal begins many many years ago with the king the king this time we go straight to the throne room he's walking down the steps of his throne and he's entering into the most exquisite banquet hall one has ever seen in his entire life the silver chandeliers are so polished that it seems that they themselves are the candles shining bright upon the dance floor. And as the 20-piece orchestra plays the most exhilarating tunes and the townspeople, the royalty and the nobility dance together, it is the wedding of the king's daughter, the princess. But there's a murmur when the groom enters into the room. There's a shock and astonishment. They expected the king to choose as his son-in-law a prince, a nobleman, perhaps a king from a faraway country. Instead walks a man dressed in tattered sackcloth, a peasant who barely ekes out a living from his potato crop. He walks into the room exuberant, so happy to meet his new bride, and the bride herself seems somewhat disappointed, disdainful of her soon-to-be husband, and the marriage ceremony occurs, and accompanied by the townspeople, the, I would like to say happy couple, but at least from her perspective, the unhappy couple, or unhappy princess, is led by the happy villager to a small hovel in a small plot outside the palace grounds and he's so excited 
about this princess and he's living in his house. He wants to give her the best of what he has. And he goes into his little plot and he digs out a few potatoes and he peels them with love and care and procures for him a delicacy. Potato soup. He even washes off the sand before he makes a soup. He even peels the potatoes. Such a such an exquisite, such a delectable delicacy. He can only imagine how charmed and how excited his princess will be. And he comes and he places his loose soup in front of her. Of course he didn't want to waste the potatoes in the soup, he'll save them for the next day, but the liquid at least, the liquid. He gives the liquid to the princess and she looks at it and her face turns sour and she tries to overcome herself and she takes a taste of the soup and she spits it out and she goes <laughs> the villager not knowing what to do runs into the kitchen and gives her the potatoes and she goes not knowing what to do he keeps on running again and again and again trying his hardest to give her whatever he can and her reaction is always the same she poo poos all his food <laughs> and he's left running around striving and earning and yearning yet he can never 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 satisfy her royal appetite says the Ramchal that's the striving that's the desire of the Neshama that's married the villager the body the soul marries the body and ironically according to an accurate interpretation of the marshal the body tries to feed the neshama the body says I'll give you the newest model BMW Z7 Z7 the windows are blacker than sable the seats are so luxurious in their leather kite <laughs> that you feel the softness before you even sat down. The engine purrs like 60 pumas. The car pulls off not like one horse or not like a hundred, but like a herd of driven buffalo. Vroom! Surely Neshama, this will satiate your need, and the Neshama goes, Ech. So you say, if not that, let's give her a Porsche! And that doesn't work, and it goes from there, of course, finance is permitting, to a Ferrari, to a Lamborghini, Machlaikas, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Ferrari, Lamborghini. <laughs> Italian Machlaikas. But it doesn't help, it doesn't help. The, the hunger remains, the third. But then you give everything that you can possibly look for, you give in every area. Sometimes it's not in the material, sometimes it's in accolation, sometimes it's in the sciences, sometimes it's in the world of business rising up the levels, trying to satiate that thirst, that power, and the feeling of emptiness always remains. Because inside we know deeply that greatness is required of us, and the test is to feed the neshama who demands that greatness, the right food, and the Torah says the right food is greatness 
in the observance of mitzvahs. Godless ha'adam, greatness of man. Extend yourself beyond your limitations. When you're tired and hungry, give of your food. When you're frustrated and angry, be calm and loving. When you're exhausted, rise up like a lion. When you are sure of yourself, retract your opinion. At every stage of the game, create that greatness of self. And if so, says Ramchal, if Midas Adin is such an important thing, such a powerful requirement, and if you don't live up to it well, the consequences have to be because you are great. You're not just pretending to be great, you are great. So when you're great, if you fail, we say, you messed up big time. You said, but I didn't do anything wrong. So I hated the person. They're a nasty piece of work. They were so horrible to me. So we say, you held it, but how can I be held accountable? Because you're bigger than that. But so the accountability and the severity of the consequences are an indication of the reality of your greatness. The reason why we're scared of Din on your Shoshone is because we know that we're beyond them. Says Ramchal, if so, in Cain, Midas Harachamim Lami Yomedes, where is the Midas Harachamim coming to it? Hatshuva. 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 The answer is, says Ramchal, there is an answer. Vadai, Vadai, Midas Harachamim, he ki yumayishal oilam. Midas Harachamim is that which allows the world to exist. Without Midas the world would not stand at all. The world would crumble, which is interesting. The world would crumble. Hmm. And nevertheless, the attribute of justice is not stricken. It's not broken. It's not distorted. And we'll have to explain why. So now the Ramchal enters in a fascinating new component. But yes, yes, yes. Greatness is required. And this is interesting. Greatness is required and it's non-compromising. But there's a softening of the blow of the demand. But of course the demand has to be softened in such a way that it doesn't take away the theme of greatness. It doesn't take away the absolute requirement for justice. So we have to see how it works. So the Ramchal goes into a very clear exposition of exactly how it functions. And he says, And this is because, <coughs> key because, According to the letter of the law, in a literal sense, It would be fitting that the person that deviates from his greatness in the absolute sense of justice so the consequences should be immediate immediate the minute he deviates the minute he does something wrong the minute he sins boom he should be visited his just desert without even a moment's hesitation number one that's what happened according to the letter of the law strict judgment is the minute that the transgression occurs there's no need for processing in the divine machinations of things so it would come immediately firstly and also that the punishment should be 
appropriate to a person that rebels against the king, the creator. He should be wiped out completely. He should be completely... He's done the... He's, he's gone against the, the requirements of the ultimate, the ultimate master. So the degree, the severity of that is so intense, it should be absolutely overwhelming. It should wipe him out. And there should be no way of rectifying what he's done wrong. That would even include uh, Tinoch Nishba, the way he's phrasing it, right? Even someone that doesn't know that he's strong, that's still the rule. Um, it could be it's a difference. It could be because since there is, there is in the Torah a notion of Oynes Rechmona Patre. It's derived from last week's parasha, that um, a woman that's assaulted and raped, so she bears no onus for if she is married for participating in the act because she, she, she is out of her control. There's nothing she could have done. So you see that the Torah, even though you do an act which is completely prohibited, but when you when you have no knowledge or you have no control of the act you're doing, so then you're not held responsible. So the whole idea of a tenet shenishba is that he has no clue as to what he what he's doing being wrong. He's called an onus. Okay. Um, so now, what I believe is, and again, this is a suggestion, it's a hypothesis, what I understand the Ramchal is contrasting over here is a system of judgment, in the absolute sense, is what we said is as follows. What we said was that the system of judgment is a mechanism of growth for the individual. So we'll see as we go ahead in the Ramchal that he wants to make sure, Kivyach HaKadosh Bochu, that the system of justice system of justice. The Midas HaRachamim is there. It's not a contradiction to the Midas Adin because the area where it compensates is almost in the area where the Midas Adin, as it were, would obliterate the potential for growth. The Midas HaRachamim, in essence, creates a more effective use of the Midas Adin in as much as it can cause people to grow more than had the Midas Adin been strictly judgment. So it's Kila Kosh found a way to make the Midas Adin even more productive for the growth of the individual. So again, the three components of Midas Adin which are flexible and which Midas Arachamim tempers is the time lapse between the doing of the crime to its punishment the intensity of the punishment received and the possibility of rectification. According to the strict letter of the law, a person doing one thing wrong should be obliterated on the spot and that would have been it. Comes along the Midas Arachamim and again fixes up those three components allowing a person another chance for growth. Amazing. Why would it temper the second part? I understand that it comes later and that um, there's a time for Teshuvah, but why enter the actual magnitude of a punishment? Because that would mean that a person who was punished once would be wiped out. In other words, you, you, what, what it could be, we'll have to see further, but it could be that we know that there is no notion in Torah of a punishment which is for to the detriment of the offender. Every punishment meted out is only for his own good. 
according to the strict system of justice, the punishment would be to his detriment. That's what he means. It would be Bechara enough. It would be because of what he did wrong as opposed to what's good for him. So the Midas Arachamim, you have to realize that Midas Arachamim should not be cons... Midas Arachamim, the root is, is Rachem, Reish Ches Mem, which gives over two important notions of what the Midas Arachamim does. The letters both hint to Rechem, which is a womb, and Machar, which is tomorrow. The Midas Arachamim is a Kiyum. It's the womb that gives birth to the tomorrow. Midas Arachamim is not Chesed. It's that which allows the long-term continuation of. Midas Arachamim makes the person. It gives birth to the person. Because by allowing him a second chance, it gives him a tomorrow. And that tomorrow means a rebirth. It's a Rechem with a Machar. It's a womb with a tomorrow. That's what Midas Rachamim is. It's a Kiyum. Rachamim. 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 Um, because the truth is, Eich Yitokein Adam. Now he goes on, and this is going to be, he's going to start discussing one of the deepest sugas, which is the suga of Tshuva. And he says, examining the third point that he made, he made three points. The punishment should be meted out immediately. It should be to the detriment of the person and there should be no possibility of rectification. Exploring the third point, no possibility of rectification, he asks an obvious question and it's fascinating to see the two examples he brings. How can a person fix up what he's done when the sin has already been done, the deviation has already been committed? And now look at the examples he brings. A person murdered his friend, his fellow man. He committed adultery. How can he fix it up? Can he remove the deed that's been done from reality? In other words, the Ramchal is now going to answer this kasha. But look at what the kasha is. The kasha is astonishing. He says, Tshuva... I would have thought and I would have been much more comfortable with had the Ramchal said how can you fix up what you've done in the past hooray you made you said Hashem's name in vain how can you fix it up you are Mechal Shabbos how can you fix it up I would be much more comfortable because I'd say in the divine world so Hashem will say listen I'll forego that but ironically the two examples the Ramchal bring are both irreversible acts against another human being the one is murder you kill a person and the other one is adultery and adultery means that either you you for sure there are lucky consequences to the status of the woman thereafter and if there's a child born from this union the child is a mamza so of all the examples to bring and now the Ramchal is obviously going to say and by doing tshuva he says how can you remove the deed from reality, meaning, and the Kiddush of Tshuva is, you can. That means what? A person that was a murderer, he can actually become a non-murderer. A person that was an adulterer can become a non-adulterer. 
until now, my notion of tshuva didn't incorporate the possibility of the rewriting of the physical occurrence that occurred. But the implications of the Ramchal is that it's going to be possible to do that. That is a shocking statement to say. Again, he's asking it as a kasha, but from his kasha you can see what he's holding. He's of the opinion that the Midas Arachimim allows you to rectify what you've done wrong. Rectifying what, you do, what you've done wrong means that the act is actually removed from the reality. The act being removed from the reality means any act that was negative you did in the past can be removed from the reality, including murder and adultery. Including murder and adultery. So obviously the problem is that I can understand something which is between me and God, so he can perhaps manipulate the spiritual forces as if nothing's happened. But now that I do tshuva, that Shimon does tshuva, that Reuven does tshuva, on the fact that he murdered Levi, and now it's Ke'ilu, there was no murder, but Levi's dead. Levi's dead. And now that Yehuda does tshuva on the fact that he was Baal Ashes Ish, so now there was no, there was no Bias Isur, there was no Be'ilas Aznus, but the child of this woman, he's running around, he's still there, but how can it be? You remove the reality, you remove the act from reality. So it means there can be no mamza. They can, the lady should come back to life and the child should become his mamza. Do you understand the problem with the approach that the Ramchal is taking? It's, it's an extreme problem. It's an extreme problem. But the Ramchal has, we'll have to see because his answer is going to have to answer this. His answer is going to have to answer how you can rewrite history. How can you? How, how can you? And that is the question we end off with. Thank you, gentlemen.